Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Outside the facility and your conversations with family, friends, casual conversations about football, what are they feeding you in terms of what they're most excited about with this team? They know better than to feed me anything um, because I do not care. (laughs) That's classic Mike Tomlin. He's in full football mode. He does not care whether you're excited. He does not care whether you're not excited. He doesn't care whether you watch the game. He doesn't care whether you don't watch the game. He's focused on getting his team to be as good as it can be, to turn that sum of the parts into something greater than what they would individually be. That's what he does. No losing season ever. Last year's accomplishment when they started as slowly as they did. Amazing. This year, they have that vibe. There's just that weird. That is. We're going to talk power rankings later. Where I put them, the comment I made was, a month ago it would have seemed high. Now it seems a little low. Everybody's waking up to the fact that these are still the Steelers. And there's something to be said for having a winning tradition. There's something to be said for having great players. There's something to be said for having great coaching. We get so caught up in all the other bells and whistles and bright, shiny objects in the AFC. The Steelers are just just the model of consistency in the NFL for the past 50 years. Nothing more than that. Year in and year out, relevance. Year in and year out, contention. Very rarely do the wheels come off, which means you're always in the mix for something to go your way and fall just right and get to the playoffs and make something happen. I know they haven't won a playoff game in several years now. They haven't been to a Super Bowl since 45, but they're always relevant even when you think they're not going to be. And this year we don't know but I think more people are starting to realize they got some pretty good players. They can hold their own in the AFC North and in the rest of the conference. Definitely. You know, the, the thing there is relevant is not what they want, right? I mean, they're not. They're, they're the Pittsburgh Steelers. They're six-time Super Bowl champions. Uh, they expect to win a playoff game, you know, every few years, if not every year. Now, yeah, they got to the playoffs a few times where you go, I don't know if that team deserves to be there. But knowing Mike Tomlin, right, and the phrase he always says, like I've heard him say it to me personally and other people, like he, he's got to walk by those six trophies every day when he walks into his offense, office and he feels the pressure of that, and that's the standard. He, he's, not, he's not happy, you know this too, with just being relevant, right? 
they seem like they're a team on the mission. They won the preseason, in my opinion. I mean, we sat here and kind of gushed about them each week. Offensively and defensively, they looked the best. Now, it's preseason. I get that. But there's a lot of times where you can look at preseason and go, ah, it's preseason. And then you look back eight weeks later and you go, man, why didn't I listen to preseason? They were showing all the signs of a good football team. And here they are, six and two or whatever. I think they're going to surprise some people. There's no doubt. We talked about it yesterday. I left the Bills out of the playoffs because I put the Pittsburgh Steelers in there. And, and, and that's what I feel about that culture. And like you said, that team, I think, is a little more talented than even I gave it credit for in the spring. And they fixed that O-line to a degree. And they just seem to have a mojo and a determination about them right now that you can feel. The season gets started with a bang for the Pittsburgh Steelers. A Super Bowl matchup that never quite happened but felt like maybe it should have at some point. 49ers against the Steelers. San Francisco coming to Pittsburgh. Potentially, likely, whatever, without Nick Bosa, the reigning defensive player of the year. Here's Tom from yesterday talking about the status, uncertain status, of Bosa for Sunday. Yes, we are preparing for Bosa. It's, it's prudent for us to assume that he is going to be there and prepare in that vein as opposed to be surprised. Uh, we were in a similar circumstance with a dynamic rusher a couple of years ago in TJ. Um, we got a deal done at the 11th hour. He showed up in the stadium, and he was TJ Watt that day. And so that's what those guys do. Um, they show up, and they are who they are. And, and so uh, we expect – him to be there. It's the prudent approach to take. And if he's going to be there, we know the type of player that he need, that he intends on being. And so uh, that's something to be dealt with. That is the right way to do it. As we discussed earlier, though, TJ was in the building. It was easier for him to hit the ground running. Now, I assume Nick Bosa has been working out like a wild man. And as you've said, one of the reasons they're maybe glad they didn't get him a contract during training camp is he would have shown up and just turned everything upside down, ripping around everybody and blowing up walkthroughs and just right. being, right. you know, doing everything he can to prove to them, I deserve every penny you're giving me. So this is the right approach by the Steelers. We just don't know. And usually these things find a way to work out. Usually when the clock strikes 12, a deal gets done. It is unusual it's rare to have one it's unprecedented to have two two great players two different teams holding out while under contract this close to the start of the season history tells us yeah they are going to work this out and we'll see how badly the 49ers want to have him there they make that last little move do that last little tweak whatever it is to bridge that gap if they want him there they have it within their power to get him there but he's content to stay away if that's what it takes for him to get what he wants yeah, I mean, obviously, he's, he's holding firm. I don't know what those details, details are, but he's holding firm, and Pittsburgh's taking the right approach. You prepare for him. Who, you know, you prepare for him and, and really whoever you get, and you don't get Nick Bosa, it'll be less than that. So you'll be ready to go, and you're going to go, well, this is you know better than I was expecting. At least I don't have to block Nick Bosa, right? But, yeah, this is... This is going to be, to me, one of the marquee matchups of the weekend. The 49ers, you know, Super Bowl team, the Steelers, Super Bowl culture, and wanting to show that they're better than the, the world realizes. 
and they're going to try to make a, a mark. I think that's why they played so much in the preseason. They, they, they realized who they had coming to town in the San Francisco 49ers, and they were going to be ready to go to match their physicality and wits and everything else there. So, um, yeah, I'm excited to see that football game, definitely. But I think the Steelers are taking the right approach. And you said it right, Mike. I mean, it's amazing. Not only two of the best defensive players, but two of the best defensive players on two teams that we go are top candidates to go to the Super Bowl. I, I can't remember a time like this where we were going into week one and, and had this scenario. And as we said yesterday, even though by January what happens in the early stages of the season will be a distant memory, the losses are permanent. And the losses, that one extra loss that maybe you could blame on, we didn't have Nick Bosa that day, we didn't have Chris Jones that day, comes back to haunt you when it's time to figure out the seating and where you go in the postseason. Do you get to play at home? Do you go on the road? Those are all huge factors when it's time to figure out who gets to the Super Bowl. All right. Got to figure out how they're going to finish. It's really the nice lobby you know, music this is my you have favorite going segment. right now. I am joining that lobby music. This is my favorite music. segment. <laughs> I, I gave them a CD, an MP3, an 8-track. I said, please play this throughout the course of the show. So, who finishes... Again, I don't have any control of that. I just sit down and talk. I didn't pick the location. I'm not in charge of the sound. I'm not in charge of the music. So you're in, you're in your usual place. You could have been here today, too, and we could have maybe you know hummed along or played the harmonica as the background music. Okay, who finishes in fourth place in the AFC North? The Browns. I'm going with the Browns. I mean, it, it's, you know, the Browns have – it's yeah. I mean, it's crazy. The Browns, I know, have more talent than you would think for a team that's fourth place in the North. But, you know, again, I think when you start to kind of dissect things in the AFC and go through this whole exercise and pick teams, and especially in this division, which is loaded, I this is the team I come away with, with going I have the most questions about. I mean, yes, one, Watson I expect to be better, but it still seems, hey, Getting his feet underneath them. Is he going to take over week one, week two, week three? I don't know. Maybe he will, and maybe I'll be wrong because of that. It seems like they're going to make a transition more to a passing offense than a run offense, right? I, so I, I, I look at some things there. Uh, I know they got Jim Schwartz and Stefanski on the offensive side of the ball and Schwartz on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, I, I guess there's an element of I got to see it to believe it a little here, and I want to see the new offense and, yeah, I'm not going to sit here and say that I believe in Cleveland yet to just throw them in the playoff conversation. So I'm, I'm putting them number four. Look, I, I have them there as well. You saw the graphic. The Steelers are the team, as it relates to the over-under win total and the odds to win the division, that is in fourth position. I got the Browns there too. And this comes back to the fundamental difference between culture, ownership, overall team value not just financial, but what they bring to the table. What have the Browns done to cause us to say, hey, you know what, they got Deshaun Watson back for the whole year. This experiment's going to work out perfectly. Dramatic transition from a run-based offense with Nick Chubb to Deshaun Watson. Sure, he hasn't played in three years, but he'll be fine. What's, what's one year of no football and another year with an 11-game suspension and all sorts of off-field turmoil, and then you only played in six games, which felt like an extended preseason for this year? And then an eight-month break between those six games and the games that count again. 
They have to prove it. It's on them. Nothing is going to be handed to them. Nothing is going to be given. Just because they spent all that money on Deshaun Watson and he was once an MVP candidate, it doesn't mean anything. They've got to make it work. And it's a ton of pressure on Kevin Stefanski because, as we said before, and this applies to the Chargers as well, if it doesn't work, the quarterback who has the big contract didn't get fired. People around him are going to be gone. And this is the year they have to get a return on Deshaun Watson. It's just yeah, too much pressure. Year. I'll believe it when I see it. One of those teams has to finish fourth. And of those four teams, all of whom are playoff caliber, all of whom could go deep into January if it falls the right way, yeah. one of them's got to be fourth. And for now, the least proven of the bunch is the Browns. Because yeah. I'm saying Agreed. all this because Browns fans are going to be pissed because nobody wants to hear this week that their team might not be good. Guess what, folks? Some of your teams might not be good. There's a good chance your team might not be good. That's the way it works. For every good team, there's a bad team. And in the AFC North, somebody's finishing fourth. And I agree with you. The Browns are the most likely to do it based on what we know right now. There's so many good teams in the AFC and the AFC North that, like, again, I'm not sitting here thinking the Browns are going to be, like, 4-13 and or anything like that. I I mean, I think we're going to have a year. We're going to have a ton of teams jumbled up at 10-7, and 9-8, and 11-6. You know, Browns could be a team 8-9, and just missed the playoffs. I don't know. That's how I kind of envision it. But, like, do I sit here and look at their team and roster and go, could they prove me wrong and be one of the teams that are 10 and 7? Certainly. I mean, we got to make picks. That's what we do here. But, but yeah, it's a little bit of the I want to see the new offense. I want to see Watson. I want to see if, uh, you know, Moore, who they traded for at, at receiver with the Jets, right? What he looks like at, at that position. Um, I, I want to see. Dalvin Tomlinson. I want to see Kinsadarius Thomas stay healthy on the edge and be a dominant force there. Smith. You know, uh, Smith, excuse me. So there's, there's a lot of things there uh, that, yes, so I think you and I probably both see some positives, but it's not like you're just going to stake your and put your name to it and go, oh, yeah, they're going to win the, they're going to win the division, es- especially over some of these other teams that we're talking about with the quarterbacks and cultures they have, which you're bringing up. So, yeah, that, that's where I kind of stand with the Brants, let alone – Let's not forget this. Their damn schedule out of the teams in the AFC North I think is the hardest. When you look at their schedule and you look at their first eight weeks, it's Bengals, Steelers, and Titans, and Ravens. I mean, I could certainly sit here and go, ooh, they could be one and three after the first four games. They go to a bye week, they play the 49ers, then they got the Colts, and then they got the Seahawks, who we know are very talented. So it's not an easy start to the schedule for a team that's kind of trying to find their new way to play. I think that's what concerns me, too, and what led me to, you know, kicking them out of the playoffs. And you said something that I just want to – I want to just delve into it a little bit. I know we got to get to the third-place teams. I agree with you that this year has the potential for a bunch of teams to be clustered around 10-7, and 7, Nine and eight, eight and nine, maybe goes down to the final week right. for a lot of the playoff spots. Here's what's going to be the key. How will the teams who lose two or three in a row deal with that while it's happening? Will you get to the point where you just kind of snap, where you just kind of give up, where that's kind of it? Or do you fight out of it? Because it's not going to be win one week, lose one week, win one week. You know, it's not going to be like that. You're going to have teams that lose two or three in a row. Do they just check out at that point is that the way we get separation somebody hits a stretch they just can't get out of it's like hey it's not our year and that's that it's going to be fun to watch because you're going to have teams that i think are going to have to weather those storms knowing that 
it's all packed together so tightly this year we can get back into it. We're not done. We're not dead. All right, who do you have in third place in the AFC? Well, North? third, I'm going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers. But I, like I told you, I'm going third, but I have them as the seventh seed in my AFC playoff picture. So, uh, you know, for all the reasons we stated to start the segment, one, Pickett looks like he's ready to take the next step and be that guy that kind of jumps on the scene where we go, damn, he's a pretty good quarterback. We know the weapons on the outside. They're real. Both running backs are real. They got two or three tight ends that are real. I think the offensive line has turned the corner here to where they're not going to be the downfall of the football team, right? You know, defensively, they're creative. Uh, I, I, you know. I guess I worry about the depth in the interior part of their D-line. I know they're linebackers. They got some new parts there. There's some things to evaluate. But like I said, the way they looked in preseason, um, the way their talk, their attitude, everything there, I can't leave the Steelers out of this equation. So, yeah, I got them in third place, but I got them going to the, the AFC playoffs, Mike. Here's how I look at it between third and second in the AFC North, because I assume your second-place team is the Ravens. If I'm wrong... We'll get to it. But for me, it's either Ravens or Steelers at three and the other at two. I go back to the exercise we engaged in with the Bills in the AFC East when we both put them at number three. If you do a tail of a tape position by position and start doing the check marks. Yeah. You know, the Bills behind the Dolphins, the Bills behind the Jets. If you do that, if you do it between the Steelers and the Ravens, Chris, all factors, all check marks. I think the Steelers, position by position, coach by coach, I think the Steelers it's edge than you them think. out. Yeah. 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 And, and, and here's my big concern about the Ravens. Right. And I mean this with all due respect and deference to Todd Munkin. He is still not Bill Walsh. And he got fired by the Browns. It was a disaster when he was an offensive coordinator with the Browns. He's been exiled from the NFL for three years. Just because he's the guy they hired – to come in and fix that offense doesn't mean he's going to be able to do it. I want to see it happen. I'm not saying he can't. I'm just saying, why are we just like, oh, oh, Todd, oh, they got Todd Munkin to be offensive coordinator. Hey, championship. Let's see it. I want to see it. I feel better about where the Steelers are and where they're trying to go than what the Ravens are trying to hold together. They've got great players. And where the, the Ravens win the check mark, you know, it, it may be a bold check mark in those spots. But I just you know, somebody's got to be third place and I'll put the Ravens there reluctantly just because I like you have a ton of faith in the Steelers this year. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hear you there. I mean, so you, but Ravens at third place, are you, you're picking them to be a playoff football team still, or are you going to, you, you envisioning them being on the outside looking in here? I wait as long as possible to do my playoff tree I have to do it right after the show. All the other PFT writers have loaded theirs into the document, which actually was inadvertently published yesterday for a little while, but that was quickly unpublished because mine's not in there. I got to put mine in there, and so I got to figure that all out. I have an idea of how it's going to go, but I don't know if I'm going to put the Ravens in the playoffs yet. I probably will, but you know, as we said all offseason long, there's going to be some teams that get left out of the playoff field in the AFC that could be good enough to run the table under the right circumstances. There are going to be some good teams left behind, especially that second-place team in the AFC East. If they don't get in, they could be good enough to get to the Super Bowl, but they may not get in because of their schedule and because you could have two teams out of the North take wild-card berths and take one away from 
whoever doesn't win it between the Dolphins, Jets, and Bills in the AFC East. That'll be something. If the second-place team in the AFC East doesn't get in, and they'd be good enough to go out there and win in the postseason. No, I, I, yeah, I, I know. I, I think it's, there's a real possibility of that. You know, there's, there's going to be some teams that are going to have some superstar quarterbacks and tons of talent where we're going to go, damn, they didn't get in the playoffs. And that's what's awesome about this year in the AFC. All right, who do you got in second place then? I assume you have the Ravens there. I, I don't. I actually went with the Bengals here. All right. Wow. Yeah, I did. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you feeling all right? You actually said Bengals. I think for the first time in seven years of doing this, you said Bengals instead of Bengals. Maybe, Are you sure you're I, okay? I don't know why it came out of my mouth that way. I don't, maybe it's finally rubbing off on me, all the, you, the critique. You've, you've proven, after all these years, after all these years, you have proven that it's not some sort of speech impediment or brain defect. You know that the word is Bengals. You can say the word Bengal. I'm telling you, I still get emails. Get him to stop saying bangles. And I, I tell him, I gave up five years ago. So you, I think I just you, piggybacked off of like I heard you it. say it, and then I just kind of like reset what you said. So I think if you got me going and bangles. got me talking about it, right. you'll start to hear the bangles back in there again. <laughs> okay. But, but you just, just try. Try to rewire yeah. your brain at the age of 43. I know it's hard to change your habits at that age, yeah. but just try because it is Bengals, not Bengals. So you have the Bengals, not Bengals, at second place. Why? I do. Well, I, again, you know, awesome football team. We know that. I'm playing the, the Ravens are going to be that team a little bit. I, I am. I'm going to play that the new offense gives them an edge. The Lamar Jackson contract situation and all that gives them an edge. That, you know, OBJ and Zay Jones and a healthy offensive line, you know, give them an offensive look that we haven't seen before, right? Defensively, I know Marlon Humphrey not there early in the year, but, you know, he'll be back here at some point. He's still one of the best corners in football. They got arguably one of the best safety duos in football in my mind with Marcus Williams and, and uh, the kid Hamilton from uh, Kyle Hamilton from Notre Dame. I think they're one to watch out for. They got one of the best middle linebacker duos. They got big people up front. They've had Jadeveon Clowney. You know, the one, the one thing I look at with them is just, yeah, do they have good enough pass rushers off the edge? Are they going to always have to blitz or create pressure? That's going to be a question. But, yeah, I like the, the, the Ravens at that one spot with the Bengals nipping at their heel. I think, you know, what led me this way was Joe Burrow's injury. Will he be 100% to start off the, you know, the season and, and hitting on all cylinders? And then I think the other thing, too, is the Ravens on the early schedule. That was another thing that kind of jumped out to me. I look at them and I go – through the first week, eight weeks there, I have no problem saying that they are the better team on paper other than the Bengals. You know, the Steelers, like you said, it's close. I hear you there. But, like, they're better than the Texans. They're better than the Colts. They're better than the Browns. Steelers, we know, divisional matchup. As we sit here right now, on paper, they're better than the Titans. And they're better than the Lions, too. I'll throw that on there as well. So that's where I think the – and the Cardinals, of course, in week eight. So I think the Ravens can really kind of build something early on and kind of get a, a head start to where maybe they can position themselves. It's hard to catch up to them, Mike. Well, you know what? 
You're kind of convincing me. Let's see how it goes. At Steelers is not going to be easy. No, though, winning at Pittsburgh. Not. But those games are always close wherever they play. Exactly. They can play in Baltimore. They can play in Pittsburgh. Right. They can play in Kansas City. They can play on the moon. And it's always going to be a close game. And I'm peeking ahead of that week 18 Steelers at Ravens. And, you know, we're always thinking about which is going to be the last game of the season on Sunday night football. And given that it's all going to be packed so tight, it may be hard to have. Just like last year, we didn't have a clear, bright line playoff play-in game, but it still had real playoff implications. That game could have real implications. It could come down to who wins that game. Steelers or Ravens, one gets in, one does not get in. So for me, it's Steelers in second place, although you've given me something to think about now with the Ravens. Bengals in first place just because of Joe Burrow. And I know he's missed a lot of time with that calf injury. The contract is looming. I would expect it to get done by Sunday. I would expect it to get done, or that calf injury is something that's going to keep me from going out onto the field. Peter King and I talked about this last week. I mean, he thinks he's going to play no matter what. I just think that at this point, you know, we heard last year, Kyler Murray's not playing for $4.3 million. He's not setting foot on the field for $4.3 million. Well, Burrow's in that same ballpark this year. He was the first overall pick a year later. His compensation structure for this year, his fourth NFL season, is a lot like Murray. Same ballpark, less than $5 million. And there's a deal to be done, and they've been working on it. You either get it done or you don't. And that's going to be the challenge for Joe Burrow. Do I go play with a calf that may be a little iffy if I don't have that contract? And the flip side of it is, you know what? They're still going to pay him, even if his calf blows out during the week one game. They're still paying him. What's their alternative? He plays out his contract and he goes somewhere else. They don't want that. He's going to be healthy at some point even if he's not healthy this year. So it's it's going to be interesting to see how that hovers over this. But without all that said, Burrow has proven that he's one of the best in the NFL. And it's easy to forget how close they were to getting back to the Super Bowl. I really felt like for a big stretch at the fourth quarter of the AFC Championship, they were going to win the game. That team is still there. Burrow's there. Chase is there. Higgins is there. And I feel like they're ready to just keep doing what they've been doing the past few years. Yeah, I, I now listen, I, I, I don't doubt that either. And, and again, this division's so damn good, right? I don't think it's going to be, like, huge separation. I'm picking the Ravens to win and beat the Bengals by a game. You know, it's, it's something like that. It doesn't matter. As long as they get in the dance at the end of the year with that guy at quarterback, they got a chance. We know that. And, yeah, Joe B., Joe B's gonna play ball this weekend, no matter whether he's got the contract or not. He doesn't know how he doesn't know any other way. And I think to your point too, you know, he's getting paid no matter what. We we saw Dak Prescott's, you know, right foot pointing in the opposite direction and he still got paid that offseason. So you're right, I think a calf muscle is not gonna affect uh contract negotiations. And you're referring to the broken ankle that Dak Prescott suffered in his franchise tag year, and he's still got a four-year, $160 million contract that has become a major problem for the Cowboys heading into 2024 when his cap number will be $59.455 million. And you're right. What is the Bengals' alternative? They want Joe Burrow there for the long haul, even if he gets injured week one and doesn't play the rest of the year. They're still going to pay him in order to keep him around. Let's go ahead and take a break. Speaking back, Prescott, Jerry Jones explained how the Cowboys traded so quickly for Trey Lance, the guy who may be the Dak Prescott contract leverage. We'll discuss that next here on PFT Live. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every goal, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a game-winning goal in the final seconds of overtime or a shot on the goal in the first period. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Simsisms. Speculative. Would they have done something differently if they knew it was going to be? Maybe, yeah. I I don't know. Of course, that's kind of speculative, but at the same time, speculative? That's the better word. There we go. It was close enough. But I I knew I didn't say it right. But, yeah, they had a problem there. Standing the King's English one word at a time. No problem. Welcome, Sky. Hello, I'm Chris Sims, and I don't speak English (laughs) that well. Simsisms. That's a quick turnaround. That was just yesterday when I was back in West Virginia, Chris in Connecticut, and our first day live for the foreseeable future, whatever that means, on Sky Sports NFL. Probably not for long if we continue to say some of the words Chris has said the past couple of days. And once somebody realizes those two bozos are live on Sky Sports NFL, that can't be. It must come to an end. So enjoy it while it lasts. Well, folks who are watching us live. I did on see Sky. a picture yesterday, right, from Sky Sports that had a little warning underneath it. Uh, you know, excuse, excuse us for any bad language or anything like that. So, damn, I, I you know, I don't know. There's a part of me that, like, yeah, I don't want to be off of Sky Sports. I love our UK following, but at the same time, I'm like honored. To, I'm almost honored to have that banner on the bottom too. There's a part of like a point of pride that I like that it's there. First, you saw that picture because I sent it to you. So, yes, I'm aware of the picture. And second, (laughs) it says, apologies for any strong language used in this live program. With the fancy UK spelling, that's how you know it's UK of program, not P-R-O-G-R-A-M, but with an M-E on the end of it. The fancy program. How did we do that? How did we take away English and move it over here to this continent and just go, we're going to change some of the English and just take away a letter or a thing here or there? I always, I'm always, always amazed by how that happened. Didn't they invent it? Well, you know, it? there's a thing with you. <laughs> the, the U shows up every once in a while after an O in words where it just goes O-R for us. It's O-U-R for them. So I guess we've just kind of streamlined it. We've I made it so. more efficient. We've tried to make it more mechanical and easier to use. All right. Now, speaking of things that are easy to do, the Dallas Cowboys made the easy trade for Trey Lance for one very important reason, and uh, we'll talk about that coming up before we get to that. I'm, I'm out of order on my thoughts. First one is, 
whether or not Jerry Jones will continue to have contract negotiations with Dak Prescott into the season, given that, as I mentioned not long ago, he's got a cap number next year of $59.455 million. Here's Jerry Jones from yesterday addressing whether the contract discussions will indeed continue. Those uh, uh, numbers on uh, uh, those contracts, those uh, types of numbers, especially the big ones, you live with constantly. That's always on your mind. There's never a time when it, it goes away because you've got to make the entire thing fit. And so it's uh, it's on the mind on a player decision in the middle of the year. And um, so uh, it's just a fundamental. Uh, we expect that to be with us a long time. And, uh, yeah, we, we're always working to, around it with uh, se- several machinations. If CD or Dak, those two that you talked about there, if they wanted to, con- you know, if they wanted to have discussions about a, a potential deal, you wouldn't just say, "Well, we started the year, so we're off." Like you would still be open to those discussions once the year starts. Absolutely, absolutely, uh, at any time. And why wouldn't they be? They need plain and simple. They need to chop down that fifty-nine point four five five million dollar cap number so that they have the ability to sign Micah Parsons. Because I guarantee you, Chris, we've talked about this. The moment the window opens on a second Micah Parsons contract, he is going to be banging for that second deal. And he's going to want to be the highest paid defensive player in all of football, depending upon what he does this year. I mean, it's going to be a more convincing argument if he is defensive player of the year or close to it. He was second in the voting last year. But they need to have Prescott's deal taken care of and extended with a lower cap number so that they can sign Parsons. But that gives Dak all the leverage. That's why this is a problem because Dak doesn't have to do anything. I don't have to redo my contract. I'm fine with a $59.455 million cap charge next year. It's not my problem. It's your problem. This is my contract. We knew it going in. This is it. Honor your contract. We talked about that yesterday. Honor your contract. Hey, Cowboys, honor your contract. $59.455 million. What? You knew. You're grown-ups. You know what you signed up for. Deal with it. That's what Dak could say. And if you want me to reduce that cap number, well, okay, well, I've got leverage. What's it worth to you? How much are you going to pay me? How many millions am I going to get? Maybe over and above what I would have gotten. Because not only do you need to extend the deal to continue the relationship, you need to extend the deal to reduce the cap number so you can keep your other guys. Yeah, I mean, right. he is in a position to play massive hardball with them. And the fact that they don't have a new deal done, what's that suggest, Chris? He is playing hardball with them. Yeah. I, I, I mean, listen, he, he certainly seems to have, you know, a good business sense about him ever, ever since, you know, I was sitting on the bed with him in Miami, right? And he gave me the side eye when I asked about a team deal. He was like, uh, nah, not That's, exactly. Uh, I don't know what you you're talking about. He needs some context. <laughs> he needs some context. We're just sitting one. on a bed Sleep in Miami. Sleep number talking ball, sponsorship. Okay? <laughs> and yeah. there was uh, an interview that Chris did, and Chris was doing the whole spiel. Oh, you're not selfish. You're not greedy. You're going to do that. You're going to do a team-friendly deal. And he got the side eye. Yeah. We used to be able to pull that up on demand. If I talk long enough, I bet we'll see it. Dak Prescott shooting the side eye to Chris before Prescott did his deal. But, yeah, he's. this is all about – and, and this is here's the here's the point, folks. And this this is exactly the kind of situation where Jerry Jones, if he found himself in a spot like this, you know damn well what he would do. He would squeeze, he would push, he would take full advantage 
of the leverage that he has to do the best possible deal because he knows the other side needs to do the deal. And if you need to do the deal, I'm going to make it worth my while. And it's okay if Jerry Jones does it, but if the player does it, he's greedy and he's selfish and he's not putting the team first. Make that make sense to me, Chris. No, you're, you're right. It, it doesn't make sense. That that does not. And, you know, Dak Prescott, I think he and his camp, they know that they got a lot of power in this situation. They got Dallas backed into a corner here a little bit. Probably why, you know, Trey Lance, we, we've, spec, you know, speculated that that's why he's in the fold. Maybe to hope, you know, strike gold to put more pressure on this situation. I still find that unlikely here within the next year they're going to know that because this has to happen some point in the next six, seven months, right? But where I'll say they have a little leverage is this, right? Where business-wise, as it sits on paper and everything like that, it does seem like Dak Prescott has all the power here. But at the same time, too, we're getting to a career here where, and we're getting to a point where Dak Prescott, smart guy, damn good football player, I, he's hearing the stuff that's being said about him. Can, can they win some playoff games? Can he play better in big moments? He's getting paid all this money. And social media team's saying well, it about exactly him. Exactly right. So he's the got bus that. after he throws two picks in a playoff well, game. Well, exactly. And then, you know, you got, like you said, Micah Parsons, you could argue he's been the best defensive player in football the last two years. So, yeah, he should get a new contract as soon as the year's over. And then you got guys like C.D. Lamb who are coming up to where you go, hey, we're going to have to pay him big money. So at some point, too, Dak Prescott, yeah, extend it, get more guaranteed money in your pocket, get a signing bonus, whatever. But I do think he's going to try to do best as far as the salary cap number is concerned to lower that. One, because I think it benefits him in the long run. It does. It does benefit him in the long run, and I think he's got at a point where we talk about this a lot. It gets used against guys, whatever. He's got a ton of money, all right? Yes, we always want more money. I get that. But he wants a ring, and he wants that type of stuff and legacy and be thought of as one of the all-time great Cowboy quarterbacks. And to do that, he might have to take, you know, a hair less or whatever just to get the other guys around him to be quality football players, and that's just the, the reality try, try of Try telling football. that to him. Yeah, I know. Try I know. telling that to the guy with the leverage. Right. Try telling that to the guy that you're hey, sitting what on up, the bed side with eye. in Miami. There, he heard you. He just heard you. There he is. We, we, we have just heard from Dak Prescott, side-eye to Chris Sims for saying, yeah, you're going to be a team player and you're going to do a good day. But that's the tension. And there's a continuum from the – Tom Brady slash Patrick Mahomes, yeah. team-friendly deals. Right. I want to win championships. I don't care about the money. I've got enough to feed my family, right? To the Peyton Manning, Darrell Rivas, it's not my job to manage the salary cap. It's your job to manage the salary cap. It's my job to get paid. It's my job to get full and complete compensation for what I bring to your team. And that's where Dak has driven a hard bargain in the past, And this all, see, I don't have any sympathy for the Cowboys about this, Chris. They took full advantage of the cheap years of Dak Prescott. Three years where, by rule, he couldn't get a second contract, even though he became their starter. Year four, when he was eligible for a second contract, and they refused to give him one. Year five, they forced him to play under the franchise tag. He suffered the broken ankle, and even though it all worked out, he had to spend 
probably some sleepless nights wondering what was going to happen with his career. What's going to happen with that payday that's yet to come? Is it ever going to come? They put him in that position. So then, oh my, how the turntables turned. He's got the four-year, $160 million deal negotiated in a way to have this landmine that everybody knows the Cowboys are going to step on next year at $59.455 million as the cap number. Is he going to be magnanimous? Is he going to be gratuitous? Is he going to do something he's not required to do? Or will he handle the situation exactly the way Jerry Jones would? That's the irony of this. He's got to go against what the owner of the team would do in the same situation in order to do the owner of the team a favor. And I don't know if he's going to do it. No, I and think, I don't know that yeah. I would do it. And I don't know that he should do it. No, it's it, it's I, I hear you. It's it, it's ironic. It it is ironic. I, it is the the ultimate business owner Johnny Dealmaker. Like the last two big contracts he did were really put them in a tough spot. And you know Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott to where yeah. They don't have the upper hand, and, and, and they didn't in Ezekiel Elliott for a long time, and, of course, they don't with Dak Prescott. So it, it is crazy from that aspect, and I think that's what leads us back to the, you know, that's why we're all going with the Trey Lance conversation. Did they trade for him? One, hey, maybe he could be a really good backup, and you got a team that's a Super Bowl team, and they're protecting their investments. But I think we're all wondering, are they hoping that he develops and becomes something that it puts pressure on Dak Prescott? I think that's still far-fetched, like we said, because if we're going to talk about renegotiating contract and all that, they're going to have to figure that out you know, between now and uh, February, basically, whether he can be that guy, which is, uh, doesn't happen, at least in my eyes. So, uh, you know, that's where we stand right now. But I think we're all thinking that with this Trey Lance thing. As promised earlier, and as I almost inadvertently threw to prematurely, here's Jerry Jones from yesterday on 105.3 The Fan in Dallas-Fort Worth talking about the process that resulted in that sudden and abrupt trade for Trey Lance. The way we're structured gets a lot of criticism. Unquestionably, it does. But it lets us do a trade like we did the other day on Lance. Because I didn't have to fool around. I can make that trade in five minutes. And the reason I can is because I had all the information. I had it from when we drafted him. I had information just at my just right at my fingertips of what we thought of his play the last couple of years. Uh, I knew what we thought of him. I didn't have to visit with anybody about what kind of player he is. And so I was able to make the call relative to we didn't want to want to put the resources in him, want to develop him, where did he fit on the whole team? I don't have to talk to anybody about that. If you had to think long or hard or have a committee meeting over something like that, that train's gone. You missed it. So many things are like that. And so uh, uh, we don't have that internal uh, three-man, four-man checkoff through the organization. We don't have to have that if it's not called for well you know what under that reasoning they would have drafted johnny manziel back in 2014 well it may just be that no one else was paying attention and jerry jones was able to grab the keys and go drive the car and give a fourth round pick and take on the full 6.3 million in guaranteed salary when no one else was willing to do it 
the 49ers were restraining themselves from doing cartwheels because the Cowboys gave up a fourth-round pick. No one was even close to that. So maybe there's a reason yeah, maybe you need for a committee. the opportunity. Uh-huh. Yes, maybe, maybe right. this is a bad thing, Jerry, right. not a good thing. I, I, I mean, again, you know, I don't think that sounded all that great there. I, I want to be like, well, maybe you should have talked to some people. Did, did you watch the film of, of Trey Lance? Have you talked to some of the teams that practice against the 49ers in training camps over the last few years? You know, or are you just going off of your draft evaluation from three years ago still? You know, that's, that's the mistake a lot of people make in front offices. They just, I liked him then. Okay, well, you know, crap has changed here in three years. It's, it's different. I know you liked him then when he was playing one double A football. Yeah, great. This is the big leagues. So I don't know. And yeah. I think most of the league thinks they're crazy for trading a fourth-round pick and paying $6.5 million for Trey Lance. Yes, crazy. It, ju- it just shows how desperate they are for an alternative for something, for any amount of leverage they can use to try to get Dak Prescott to be reasonable with them because Dak has all the power with this massive cap number of $59.455 million next year. We need to take a break. When we return... Do the Cardinals themselves even know who will be starting this weekend when they take on the Commanders? We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. Do you know what you're going to do? Do you do the guys know now today what you're going to do? Or is that still to be determined this decision? Has it been made already? Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we know what we're doing. You know, okay, yeah. so you've made a decision. You're just not saying what it is. That's right. Kind of thing. Okay. That's is there right. a competitive advantage to that? Absolutely there is. I learned that from Coach Sirianni, truthfully. You know, when we were a new staff, there's always a little bit of cat and mouse week one, week two. How much of it is just making them and Rivera have to prepare for two quarterbacks? Yeah, huge. Because from a defensive perspective, it's hard to prepare for one quarterback, let alone two. Jonathan Gannon, new coach of the Cardinals, gets his... First regular season game against the Commanders on Sunday. And look, I that is the most overhyped bullcrap thing. I, I, I don't know. When even... the choices are Josh Dobbs. Well, wait, is it going to be the quarterback Clayton who sits Toon. in the pocket or the quarterback who sits in the pocket? I don't know. They're going to have to rewrite the game plan for the quarterback who sits in the pocket. And then they got to do another game plan for the quarterback who sits in the pocket. I don't know if I don't know if anybody be ready for this. This will be crazy stuff. <laughs> Here's the other side of it too. Here's the other side of it too. And this just shows the level of naivete that Jonathan Gannon has. And it's going to make him look bad. Cuz what happens today, Wednesday? They'll practice today. Somebody's getting the first team reps today. And there's going to be enough people in the vicinity that somebody's going to tell somebody about it and somebody's going to tell somebody about it and it isn't many steps before a reporter finds out about it and says Josh Dobbs took all the first string reps at practice on Wednesday. He's the starter. And that makes the coach look like a moron because the coach can't keep that secret. Now, Sean Payton has proven that he can keep that secret. Remember when Drew Brees was hurt a couple of years ago and we didn't know who it was going to be? Is it going to be Jameis? Is it going to be Taysom? Well, there was real tactical advantages there. Right. And Payton kept it quiet. Right until he wanted it to be known. Gannon doesn't have that kind of authority. Gannon doesn't have that kind of sway. Gannon is not yet in a position where he can just tell guys, keep your mouths shut, and they will. 
and, and what, as you said, what difference does it make? What difference does it make between Josh, jo- Josh Dobbs and Clayton Toon? It makes no difference. There is no competitive advantage here. It's only an advantage if you have some dramatically different style or huge gap in talent or whatever it might be for one or the other. And that's not the case here. No, it's, it's just not, not the case. No, no, it's not. Um, and, you know, I'll be, I'll be excited to see who they throw out there. Clayton Toon did a good job as a rookie in preseason. He did, but we know this is regular season football. That's different. Joshua Dobbs doesn't have a ton of experience in the regular season, but, of course, has been around the league and does have that. So that's the advantage he has. By the way, we, we really are over time today. we got three segments left, but – Gannon said yesterday he expects Kyler Murray to play this year. What else would he say? They made Kyler Murray a captain this year. What else would they do? There's a theory out there, and I gave credit to Mike Lombardi for this last week. I wrote about it over the weekend, and everybody lost their minds. There is a very real business reason to not play Kyler Murray this year. And if the Cardinals are tanking anyway, that knee, that surgically repaired ACL, maybe he won't play this year because there's millions left in injury guarantees that become fully guaranteed next year. I just want to mention that for now. Let's keep an eye on it. We need to take a break, but uh, keep an eye on Kyler Murray and whether or not he plays this year and whether or not it fits with this broader business plan the Cardinals have to maybe sink all the way to the bottom of standings and have the first overall pick next year. More PFT Live right after this. You know, some of these divisions are difficult to discern 4-3-2-1. This is the easiest. And look at the odds. Look at the odds. It just tracks. It's simple. There's two teams that are playoff contenders. One team is a Super Bowl contender. The other team is kind of on the fringe if the 49ers would stumble. And then you got the Rams and the Cardinals. This is going to be the easiest by far of any of the divisions to prioritize. Chris, may I do the honors? Of course. Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, 49ers. 4-3-2-1, final answer. That's easy. That's easy. But you know... What's stunning is how the Rams have just gone so quickly to afterthought. And they could use that to their advantage if they could maybe keep their key players healthy and, you know, be competitive. I don't know that they can be. But they have plummeted from the best of the best to the bottom feeders. Afterthought. No chance. Oh, Limited yeah. chance. Right. I mean, if we're looking at teams in the NFC to throw out, first one out is the Cardinals and the second one out is the Rams. I, I don't disagree. I mean, again, I expect the Cardinals to yeah have the number one pick in the draft, maybe win three, four games, be in the market for maybe drafting a quarterback at number one in Caleb Williams. The Rams, it's total rebuild. It's not a healthy Cooper Cup. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win more than six and a half games. They'll be a pain in the butt and tough. But then this, Seahawks second. And four, I mean, and then the 49ers winning the division. And I got the 49ers as being the number two seed in the NFC overall. Still got the Eagles being number one over there, Mike. If the Cardinals are eyeballing Caleb Williams, they're either going to have to hire Lincoln Riley or Deion Sanders to be the coach next year, or he'll stay at USC or tell the Cardinals, I'm just not going to show up if you use that first overall pick on me and I'll re-enter the draft next year. That's coming. I can feel it. And the Cardinals are going to have to make some major changes to attract him if that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to tank for Caleb Williams. Let's take a break. Power rankings are back. We'll take a look at some of the highlights and lowlights when PFT Live continues right after this.
Chris, once every month or so, someone publishes what we call a long read, which is about 10,000 words, and there's a lot of stuff there. And the challenge for someone like me is to go through it all looking for the good stuff. And in the Sean Payton profile from Seth Wickersham of ESPN.com, now, the low-hanging fruit is how he treats Russell Wilson and says, stop kissing babies, you're not a politician, you're a football player, okay, fine. The bigger issue, though, is his lingering mistrust for the league office and his willingness to say so. I'm cynical when it comes to New York. I think it starts with Roger Goodell. And Peyton says, I got tired. There was a feeling, I would say, on my part of losing the jump balls. The success or lack of success with the Saints is a blip on the NFL. And the point that he made, and this is something that's been out there, it's been reported. He's never, I think, been on the record with it before. His last four years with the Saints, the teams that were playing – The penalties called on them when playing the Saints all season long. Every opponent of the Saints, when you put it all together, 30th, 31st, 32nd, 32nd. The officials are not throwing flags on the teams playing the Saints. And if that's just random, that's a hell of a coincidence. It is. And it's a loaded comment by Peyton because basically what he's saying is the the NFL's animosity toward the Saints dating back to Bounty Gate runs so deep and it's so pervasive that it's influencing the game officials as to who they throw a flag against and who they don't. That, that is a hell of a claim yeah. by Sean Payton. Yeah, no, I, well, I think there's a lot of people in football that think, uh, you know, the NFL, 345 Park Avenue, Sean Payton are not exactly best of friends, right? I, I, I think there's definitely that. I mean, Sean Payton certainly has, you know, the right to not – totally trust the officiating it cost him a Super Bowl appearance we know that let alone the things you just said there you know the NFL Sean Payton's done some things too where I think the NFL goes that's not necessarily the way a head coach should act as well too I think there's a little bit of that as well but yeah Sean Payton's old school and like I I have a problem there's a lot of people at 345 who didn't play football who are making the rules and I don't know nothing in the world goes on like that so that annoys me too And he says it now, I believe, to call it out so it doesn't happen to him in Denver. Safe travels to Kansas City. Chris, see you here tomorrow. Everybody else have a great day. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.